Hello, this is Pastor Nathaniel, and you're listening to the Edit Talk for the Itty Walk podcast. Here you'll find messages meant to edify and encourage God's people in the maturity, purity, and unity that comes from following Christ. From devotional thoughts to sermons from our Sunday morning services, my prayer is that the time you spend listening to this podcast will help you grow closer to our Lord and also lead you to loving others like He loves us. Let's get right to it. Well, the next two weeks, we're going to spend time in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. This week, we're going to talk about sorrow. Next week, we'll talk about repentance. About 25 or 30 years ago, there was a commercial. Maybe you remember it. I remembered it pretty well, because when I looked it up on YouTube this morning, it was just how I remembered it. There are these little kids singing, I'm sorry, so sorry, and you see them spilling things and making a mess. And you see the exasperated mother like, oh, i got to clean up something else. And the song goes on. I'm sorry. And you see this dog who just spilled his food everywhere. And the puppy eyes. We have a dog that could have been cast for that commercial. She spills her food. She spills her water. And she has the perfect puppy eyes. And it's a commercial for bounty paper towels. Bounty means never having to say you're sorry. Now, here, back in the 1970s, there was a movie called Love Story. And that was the main line of the movie is, Love means never having to say you're sorry. (laughs) And if you're listening to the podcast, that was me gagging. And I don't know how Bounty got away uh, with that commercial, because they completely stole that from that movie. But sometimes we're sorry, aren't we? I mean, there's lots of reasons to be sorry. We can be sorry because we got caught. We can be sorry because there are consequences to what we've done. We can be sorry because someone we know and love is experiencing pain. And we can be sorry because maybe we caused somebody pain. Maybe we're sorry because we disappointed someone or people we love and who love us. Maybe we're sorry because we're in the wrong and the sorrow leads us to, to wanting to make things right. The best kind of sorrow is godly sorrow. And godly sorrow is kind of like that last sorrow I mentioned. Godly sorrow leads us 
to wanting to make things right with God and our relationship with Him and with others we may have wronged. And you know what? Godly sorrow is the best kind of sorrow because it leads to repentance. And to give you a preview for next week, repentance is not a one-time gig. It's not like we say a prayer and we're done. We're good with God. (laughs) Relationships aren't that easy, are they? Repentance is something God uses to draw us closer to Him. But before we get to the repentance, we have to have the godly sorrow. And Paul writes about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. We're going to start with verse 2. Now, right now, while you look that up, I saw Garrett, and I have godly sorrow for picking on him last week in service. I'm sorry, Garrett. Sorry, Bill and Joyce. You have to admit that that was funny, though. (laughs) Just kidding around. You know, after you find 2 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, if you want to look up Luke chapter 8 as well, we're going to be going to Luke chapter 8. Mark that spot. Second Corinthians chapter 7, I'm going to pick up in verse 2. Paul writes this. Make room in your hearts for us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have exploited no one. Just, I'm going to give some commentary as we go down through the Scripture here because 2 Corinthians has a lot. I mean, I think I always think of Dave Hardy. Remember Dave Hardy? He and he and, and Teal and the kids went here, and this was his favorite book of the Bible. It's just so rich with instruction for godly living. But you go to that verse we just read. Paul says, we have wronged no one, we have exploited no one, and we have corrupted no one. He wants to make that clear because there are people who do wrong, who do exploit, and who do corrupt. And what's been happening to Paul is people have falsely accused him of doing those things while they were doing those things. Verse 3. I do not say this to condemn you. I have said this, that you have such a place in our hearts that we would live or die with you. He's saying it because he he cares so much for these people. Verse 4, I have great confidence in you. I take great pride in you. I am greatly encouraged in all our troubles. My joy knows no bounds. For when we came into Macedonia, this body of ours had no rest, and we were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside, fears within. That's fascinating. Paul was human, wasn't he? Paul was afraid. If you're ever fearful, it's okay. God created that emotion for a reason. But remember... Fear leads to the dark side. So be careful with what you do with the fear. Now Frank Oz is going to sue our church. That was my Yoda impression, and it didn't do do very well. We better get back to Scripture. 
We were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside, fears within. But God, who comforts the downcast. This is not my scripture this morning. Well, I'm not going to park here for long. But I have a feeling somebody just needs to hear those three words, four words. God comforts the downcast. If you're downcast, maybe you just need to repeat those four words now and through this week. God comforts the downcast. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. How about that? He used others to comfort others. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. He told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me. There's the first time we heard that word, sorrow. He told us about your longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me, so that my joy was greater than ever. Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, because you were made sorry. Not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed by us in any way. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you. What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point you've proved yourselves in this matter. As innocent. So even though I wrote to you, it was not on account of the one who did the wrong or of the injured party, but rather that before God you could see yourselves how devoted to us you are. God, I do thank you for your word. And I thank you for the work that your word does in our lives, how it encourages us how it convicts us, how it does what we need so that when we respond in obedience and repentance, you continue to shape us in the image of your one and only Son. And Jesus, thank you for the perfect example you set for us. And Holy Spirit, may you bless this time in your word. Bless the the hearers and the preacher. And God, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The church in Corinth had caused Paul grief because of their behavior. And in response, Paul wrote a letter to the church in Corinth that caused them grief. We have sorrow on both sides, but there is benefit 
from the sorrow. Paul is writing about how there's benefits of godly sorrow. This morning and next week, I want us to see how godly sorrow, when we allow it to do its work, it produces in us repentance and the experience of divine grace. Let me put it like this. And I completely stole this from John Maxwell. It was almost 16 years ago to the day that, that Pastor Denny announced I would be the new associate. And I was invited forward with Laura and only Reagan at the time. And knelt at the altar and y'all prayed for us in the ministry. And then Pastor Denny and Pauline gave me a Bible as a gift to remember that day. It was the John Maxwell Leadership Bible. This is where I ripped, ripped this off from. <laughs> but John Maxwell put it like this. I mean, he was comparing worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. With worldly sorrow, the pain is indefinite. With godly sorrow, the pain is temporary. Worldly sorrow leads to regret and death. I mean, think about Judas. Godly sorrow leads to repentance and life. Think about Peter. Worldly sorrow is based on suffering. Godly sorrow is suffering based on God's will. That's good stuff, isn't it? Too good not to share. You see, God's Word has a knack for causing godly sorrow. They didn't know it at the time, but the Corinthians were reading God's Word when they read that, that letter from Paul. And when we encounter God, whether it's in His Word or wherever, what often happens? We realize who He is and who we are. I mean, it happened to Isaiah when he was in the temple. Isaiah chapter 6, he encountered God, and what did he say? Woeful is me, I am a man of unclean lips. A sinful man, he said. Then you think about John and, and, and Revelation chapter 1. Maybe chapter 2, I know I saw it in there. When John has his vision of heaven... What happens? He falls to Jesus' feet and says, This holiness is too much. See, when we encounter God, when we're in His presence, He reveals to us who we really are. And sometimes we don't like it, who we are. And that's okay, because it's not who we have to stay and be. Now, don't get me wrong. God created each of us unique and individually with gifts and talents only He can use through you. I heard it this week. I shared it with the fire on, well, everybody at the fire, on Thursday night. That we all been given gifts to use while we're on this earth. We won't need them when we get to heaven. Might as well use them now. Right? That's what we use. But... 
He's always working in us and through us to transform us to make us more like Christ. That's what happens in our relationship with Him. So we spend time in His Word. We keep reading it. And read it all the more so that godly sorrow will produce repentance so we can be more like Him. God's Word can hurt. We saw that in verse 8. Paul said, I know my words might have hurt you, but it's a good hurt. It's a good hurt. Anybody who ever had appendicitis knew something was wrong. And and that surgery is a good hurt, right? To make things better. Similar idea here. Godly sorrow produces repentance. That word produces is important. Produces something. But it's about how we respond to that godly sorrow. There's a few different ways we can respond to the godly sorrow. We can reject it. We can ignore it. Or we can submit to it. This is where Luke chapter 8 comes in handy. Luke chapter 8. It's where we find the parable of the sower. It's also in Matthew 13 and somewhere in Mark. I just can't remember right now, but it's in there. Those three gospels have the parable of the sower. And I'm not going to read the entire parable, but we might think, why would someone reject it? The godly sorrow. You know, the godly sorrow comes from the good word, God's word. And let's read verse 11 of Luke chapter 8. This is the meaning of the parable, Jesus says. The seed is the word of God. Have we established that? The seed is the word of God. There's the seed that fell along the path. Those are the ones who hear it. And the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. Verse 13, their seed that fell on the rock, and those are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it. But they will have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing they fall away. Makes you wonder, why would someone ignore Godly sorrow. That godly sorrow that leads to repentance. We have the answer right there in Jesus. Jesus gives us the answer. Maybe through the time of testing. You know, godly sorrow doesn't feel good. So if I pretend it's not there, I'll feel better. Or sometimes, sometimes it's less work. Oh, I said the prayer. I know I'm going to heaven. I'm good. 
when instead we're not letting the relationship happen. Remember earlier we talked about how relationships take work sometimes. Yes, there's that lovey-dovey at the beginning of a, a marriage relationship. But anybody in a relationship with commitment knows that it's not always lovey-dovey, is it? I used to call it lovey-dubby, but I had a girlfriend who corrected me. I should just say lovey-dubby now because I don't like her anymore. (laughs) But sometimes it's just too much work. They would rather do whatever. They fall away in the time of testing because there's no root. So, so maybe that's why someone would ignore or reject the godly sorrow. He, another reason was right there and in verse 14. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked out by life's worries, riches, and pleasures And they do not mature. You see, it gets choked out. That good word that brings godly sorrow gets choked out. Maybe it goes against the stuff that we really want even more than God. We just haven't called it out. Stuff we're not willing to give up or sacrifice, because really that's what we live for. Maybe, maybe we worry about what others might think or say if we choose the godly way. What will my family, what will my friends, what will I think when they see the change and difference when I follow God? Maybe that's what chokes it out. I heard something good this week that I hadn't heard before. We've got to share with you. Christians are like human salmon. How come? What do salmon do? They're always swimming upstream, aren't they? We're always swimming upstream in a world where we don't belong. So if we're not running up against people thinking we're not any different, (laughs) then maybe we need to look at our relationship with the Lord. And another thing about what other people think about us. I struggle with that, man. I do. I'm concerned about what other people think. I, I think we all have things like that that the Word's he's working on in our lives. But I heard a quote probably eight or nine years ago that i got to share with you because it goes along with this. Don't let that choke you out, that worrying about what other people think. Live for Him. Let other people think you're weird. It's okay. Here's the quote. The quickest way to forget what God thinks about me is to be obsessed with what others might think about me. Craig Groeschel said that. And one of these days, I'm going to come up with some really good stuff so you can say Nathaniel came up with that. 
The quickest way to forget what God thinks about me is to be obsessed with what others think of me. That's the stuff that doesn't truly matter. What matters is what He thinks of you. And sometimes that godly sorrow comes and we think, well, we kind of think like Isaiah or John. Oh, I'm so sinful. I'm so rotten. And sometimes the danger is we get stuck there. But that's not where our identity is in our mistakes in the godly sorrow. He brings godly sorrow, not shame. And that quote reminds me of what God thinks of me and you. How much does He think of us? He sent His one and only Son to die for us. Greater love has no one. So, we can reject the good word and the godly sorrow it brings. We can ignore it. And by ignoring it, we're really thinking, I know what's best. Are you starting to see why repentance goes with godly sorrow? We can reject it, we can ignore it, or we can submit to it. Receive it. And respond to God. Verse 14 of, pardon me, verse 15 of Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, 15 says, But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. Let's not forget, just a few minutes ago, Paul said that him and his other partners in ministries, their body had no rest. They were harassed from every side, and there were conflicts on the outside and fears within. There's a need for perseverance through all that, isn't there? And Jesus is saying, it's the good word that helps us persevere. And produce. Jesus said something else about producing, didn't He? Something about by their fruits, you will recognize them. And if you go to Wegmans, I'm going to say Wegmans because their fruit and produce is the best. That's just an opinion. Sorry if you work at Topps or Kroger or wherever. Food Mart, sorry Wayland. They do have good grapes in September, Wayland does. But... Produce. What is that? That's fruit and vegetables. It's, it's something's been put in with the seed and produced. What was produced in the godly sorrow that comes from repentance? Hop down to verse 10 of 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Godly sorrow. Brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. Yeah, have you talked to anybody who said, Yep, I followed God all my life, and man, I regret it. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow 
brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you. Listen to all this. This is just one time we read about. And here I challenge you to consider in your walk now and in the past, that time you responded to God, His Word, when you've had that sorrow, and how He used it to help you grow in Him. Listen to what it produced, just this, this one instance, in the people in Corinth. Man, there could have been a seven-point message here. Count your blessings. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you? What earnestness... Boy, that's a good word, isn't it? Earnestness. It, give, it causes you to do something you just have to do with all your heart. What earnestness. What eagerness to clear yourselves, to make things right. What indignation. We realized that was in there and we didn't like it. It's time to get it out. What alarm. What longing. What concern. What readiness to see justice done. Boy, that's a whole other sermon too. There's a worldview out there that says justice is this or justice is that. The only true justice is God's justice. The only way we find that is in His Word. Do not be deceived. Before I close, I want us to back up. Back up to verse 1 of 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. That sums up the Christian life, doesn't it? We acknowledge we need a Savior. We confess our sins, repent, turn from our sins, ask Jesus into our heart and life to make us new. He makes us new and it doesn't stop there. It's about walking in a relationship with Him, growing in grace, as we love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And sometimes He does that transformational work through godly sorrow. So, keep in His Word. Keep in His Word, even when it causes that godly sorrow that leads to repentance. little preview for next week. People say they're afraid of change. Hogwash. Yes, they ask Pastor Denny. They teach you that word. It's Greek in Bible school. Hogwash. People aren't afraid of change. They're afraid of uncertainty. You know what we have with repentance? We have a change with certainty. We don't have to be afraid of it. You don't want to miss next week. So we keep... In the Word. We let the Word do its work. We obey and respond. Hopefully we're changing, right? That's the whole point. Hopefully we're not the same person we were 2, 3, 10, 15, 20, 50, 60 years ago. Keeping His Word. Don't ignore it. Even when it brings sorrow, you can trust that it's a godly sorrow that's leading to repentance and salvation and the life eternal that we only have 
and can only be found in Jesus. Let's pray. God, I do thank You. I thank You that You're a God who comforts the downcast. I thank You that You're a God who's there in the midst of all of our fear and doubt. And I thank You that You're a God who's not unclear. But You make known to us Your will and Your ways by Your Word. Lord, help us. Help us to have a desire to be in Your Word. Help us to not just hear Your Word, but put it into action and do what it says. Even when it it brings godly sorrow. Lord, I like that. (laughs) It, it, It brings repentance unto salvation. Lord, there may be something that you may be convicting of us now that we need to repent of. Lord, we want to be the salt and the light. We want to shine for you. We want to spread out and do good for you. Help us in our walk. Help us in our relationships. And God, through it all, we'll keep giving you all the praise. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If this podcast is helpful to you, please rate us on iTunes or like our page, Springwater Church the Nazarene, on Facebook. Have a great day and Lord bless.